0: How's everybody doing? Okay, how many of you have, and uh, we've got some college students in here, maybe grad students. How many of you have hit like the, the mid-semester test phase and you're just over the semester? You're just done with school. You're ready to revolt. Okay, cool. Uh, how many of you, uh, maybe you're young professionals, you're working and you just have kind of starting the, maybe the, the travel route or maybe the, you just got back from the travel route and you're just done working. You don't want to go to work anymore, but you still like the money. You just don't want to work, right? Okay. All right. How many of you don't don't show hands? But how many of you have like colds right now and you're here against doctors' orders, right? Okay. Wow, that was brave. Someone waved, waved their hand over there and stood up. Okay. So everyone is now about to ostracize that human being over there. Okay. Cool. Well, hey, uh, I hope you guys uh, are having a good time tonight. Uh, you know, we we strive to put the table together just to be a cool gathering for some people who want to meet one another and fellowship and study God's word and worship Jesus, and um, I'm really excited about what's going on tonight. I mean, it's the, the Jason and Keani show and the band have been incredible, and uh, hopefully, yeah, that's, you, can, you can woo if you want to. That's fine. Uh, uh, yeah, that's great, but I hope that, that I'll be helpful here this evening as well. Um, I just went to Texas last week. Uh, I'm so glad Isaac uh, spoke because he was incredible and super helpful, and I hope to build on kind of... What he was talking about, but I went to Texas, went to Austin. In fact, and so I'm wearing my Austin City Limits shirt. Shout out Austin City Limits. Um, and uh, I'm back, and I'm refreshed, and I'm ready to jump in. So, if you guys have uh, your Bibles or your phone apps, you can open them to Ephesians chapter two. We're going to be in the very back uh, half of Ephesians chapter two, so you guys can open that. Ephesians chapter two. And just to remind you guys, we are in the midst of a multi-week message series on uh, the book of Ephesians. Uh, where we've been so far, the overview of this book as we've understood it is Saved by Grace to Walk This Way. So We're still in the very first part of that, first three chapters, where Paul's talking about being saved by grace, and there's some implications of that collectively for us here today. And to set us up for where we're going to go today, uh, I'll tell you this. uh, I'm from Texas, as I just mentioned. Uh, Anybody else from Texas here? Okay, God's home state. Yep, that's right. Okay. Uh, so I'm from Texas, and uh, about 10 years ago, my wife and I moved to Chicago. Anybody from Chicago here? Cubs, go Cubs! Did the Cubs play today? Do we have? Oh no, we'll talk about that later. I, I might be disappointed. Okay. Anyway, so uh, we moved to Chicago to do a PhD program, and so we get into Chicago, and uh, one of the things that we didn't—it's not that we didn't account for this—but you know how it is. You move to a new city, you don't know anybody. And so we moved in, we're like, oh, this is our apartment, it's a new city, it's a new adventure in our marriage, like we're excited. And then we realized, I don't know where to go, right? We had home, we had the like apartment situation, we had work, school, that kind of thing. So we had those two places. But what we were missing was the third place, the third space. You guys heard about this, the third place? The third place is that, that, fact, uh, that, that feature of your life where you go to belong somewhere, You go to find meaning. You go to be part of that. Uh, In the 80s and 90s, as I was growing up, this was typically the mall, right? You would just, everyone's thinking of how I met your mother. Let's go to the mall, right? Uh, So the mall was the third place. In the late 90s, early 2000s, the coffee shop became that. Like you would go to the coffee shop to hear a band or just to kind of hang out. Friends, obviously, would go to Central Perk and they would hang out there all the time. That would be their place to belong and to find and discuss things of meaning. Well, we're in Chicago, we don't have our third place. You know, we joined a church, but it took a while for that to be the third place. And we just kept asking ourselves this question, where do we go to belong? Like, where is our place? And this is maybe a question that you've asked at some point, Maybe you moved here to Orlando, and you're going to school, or you got a job, or you're in the CP program, or whatever, you work for Disney, you're working for, as an engineer, kind of whatever, and you're in Orlando, and, and pretty early on, you start asking this question, like, I have a home, and I have work, but where is my place? Where's my place to belong? Or maybe you've lived here all your life, but you grew up, and you moved out of the house, and now you have your first big girl or big boy apartment, and you're like, okay, cool, I'm an adult. But you start to ask that question, like, where's my place? I, I don't know where my place is in Orlando. Well, Paul is asking the same question, or at least he has this question in mind. He's saying, I want to talk to you all about place. And at the very end, you're going to find there's a plot twist. Paul's going to give us a lot to say about place, and there's a lot of it that we understand, but there's a little bit of it that maybe we miss uh, in, in the ways that we generally think about that third place in our life, the place of belonging. And so as we talk about this question, as we address this question, maybe this is home for many of us here today. Before we jump into this, I want to invite you to pray with me, we're going to see what Paul has to say. Would you pray with me? Jesus, um, I just uh, echo what Jason said and ask that you would just come here tonight and be hailed as king, and help us to know how you can even be king of our lives as we talk about the place to belong and, and find meaning. Uh, Really help us to see clearly what that is, that we might adjust our lives and jump in on it. And would you make us teachable, and would you help me to be helpful here today? It's in your name we pray, amen. Amen. So we're starting Ephesians chapter 2 in verse 19, we'll go 19, 20, 21, 22. Verse 19, Paul writes, so then, okay, well, what's he talking about? Well, remember Paul's just talked about the fact that we are saved by grace, um, and uh, we are saved to this life of good works. And he spent a lot of time talking about what that is. Isaac talked to us uh, about that a little bit last week. And so he's saying, so then in light of all of this stuff here, right? So then in light of all of this, we've talked about in chapter two. So then you are no longer strangers and aliens, but you are fellow citizens with the saints and the members of the household of God. And I want you to notice something here. You have a bulletin you can fill us in. I want you to notice Paul uses this terminology, saints and citizens. He says, you used to be slaves, you used to be slaves to sin, you used to be um, people who are uh, uh, operating according to the, this world and the way the world operates, but you've been saved by grace, now you are saints and citizens. Um, the, the word citizen there has new meaning for me moving to Florida where immigration is a big issue. And maybe you guys have friends who are immigrants or who are parents of immigrants, or maybe you're here because you're a child uh, of immigrants. Uh, Maybe you have friends who are children of immigrants, kind of how all this works, right? But immigration is a big thing in Florida. And um, it's really interesting when some of my friends, uh, maybe they've lived here for a while, when they or their parents uh, pass a citizenship Test and are now citizens. It's it's somewhat of a rarity right now in this political climate, but that does happen from time to time, and it's really interesting when that happens. If you know anybody who moves from being in the status of having a visa to now being a citizen of the United States, you know that um, fundamentally everything changes about their life. When you become a citizen, uh, well, I'll say this: when you have a visa, especially on an immigration work visa, you're restricted in how much money you can make. And you're restricted in where you can come and where you can go. And you're restricted in a number of ways here uh, as that classification as an immigrant. But once you become a citizen, it's now like you have all this freedom, all this new opportunity. You can come and go as you please. You can make money. You can work. You can do what you want to do. You can follow your dreams, right? Right? And this is what Paul is saying here in Ephesians 2. You used to be a slave. You used to be someone, remember Christians, you used to be someone who was a slave to sin, and you were greatly restricted in the way you lived, but now you are a citizen of the kingdom. Uh, all the shackles have been taken off. Uh, there's no more hindrances, no more restrictions. You are free to come and go as you please spiritually. And you're not only a citizen, you're a saint Which is, you are the holiest of holy people. You are people who are set apart for good things. You are a saint and a citizen. And he starts there. Gives us this clear identity about how we are to live in light of all of these things. And he continues in verse 20. Built on the foundation of the apostles and the prophets, Christ Jesus himself being the cornerstone, in whom the whole structure being joined together grows into a holy temple in the Lord. In him, you also are being built together into a dwelling place for God by the Spirit. And man, there's a lot going on there. So two things I want you to notice. Number one, or number two, uh, he, Paul says, we are growing together. We are growing together. Now, this is an important statement he's making. He's saying that uh, you are saints and citizens, and part of what's going on here as Jesus has come into your life is he's growing you, but he's growing you together. As Americans or as people who live in America, America very, has been obsessed over the last hundred years with the idea of self-help. You guys go to a bookstore. Well, I don't know if you guys go to bookstores anymore. Y'all are just on Amazon, right? Anybody Who's been to a physical bookstore in the last six months? Okay, cool. Awesome. I, I'm feeling much better about myself here. <laughs> Right, You go to a physical bookstore and there's self-help stuff. There's a whole self-help section. And the idea that's communicated here in the self-help is you help yourself. You grow yourself. As an individual, you get this book and you read it and you grow. Well, Paul is saying, hey, guess what? There is no self-help. There is only community help. You grow together. And I don't know if you know this, in the Christian life, no one grows individually as a Lone Ranger Christian. You grow together. Together, Meaning being part of one another is somehow a critical component of your spiritual growth. No one grows in isolation. You grow together. A good uh, analogy of this or illustration of this is the idea of uh, this 90s TV show called Captain Planet. Anybody remember Captain Planet? Uh, If you don't remember Captain Planet because you grew up in a Christian home, it's basically like, (laughs) right? It's like Power Rangers for Democrats, right? That's just... (laughs) how that operates, right? It's just, you know, it's like, hey, we all are these individuals. We come together to form a megazord, and we uh, fight for the environment. That's basically how Captain Plant. But there's this one line. uh, You can Google search this later. Uh, Captain Plant, because I grew up in the home of a Democrat, uh, we watch this stuff, right? And so it was just these uh, five different people. Each of them represented some like mystical kind of basic kind of earthen power. And Uh, They would always say, by our powers combined, right? so they would take the the five different powers and they would summon this invisible being called Captain Planet whose skin happened to be blue. Uh, He definitely had the flat top mullet going on, right? And he would always say, by your powers combined, I become Captain Planet, right? And then they would, do you guys remember the theme song? Captain Planet, he's our hero, gonna take pollution down to zero, yeah really like edgy cutting edge stuff here on the cusp of the zeitgeist of society in the 90s but anyway um so captain planet that was the whole thing right uh, power rangers voltron all of them all have the same idea they're all these individuals but by their powers combined they become something greater and this is what paul's saying he's saying Christians, saints and citizens, now that you've been made saints and citizens, you guys are all growing. Individually, your powers are growing together to form something much, much bigger. There's something bigger at play here that's going on with the saints and the citizens. And there's one more key component to that, and it's this. We are built on Jesus and the apostles and the prophets. We are built on Jesus and the apostles and the prophets. Now, uh, what does he say here specifically? Like, what's he saying? And I'll read the verse. It's in verse 21. In whom the whole structure, this captain planet kind of deal, in whom the whole structure being joined together grows into a holy temple in the Lord. And all of that, 21, is built on, verse 20, built on the foundation of the apostles and the prophets, Christ Jesus himself being the cornerstone. Now, let me talk to you guys about this terminology here. So I have up here on stage this thing right here. How many of you guys have been wondering what this is? Anybody? Okay. So this is actually a cornerstone of First Baptist Church, the original First Baptist Church built in 1914. Uh, in fact, you can come up here and say it, it says 1914. So this was on a building that they've torn down, but First Orlando kept the cornerstone. This building, this, this thing was made in 1914. It's the oldest thing in here, right? Uh, and it's really heavy, because I had Alec move it later or earlier today, if you guys saw on Instagram. Um, I was gonna help him, but then I didn't, right? Um <laughs> And it took like four or five of us, me and Santi and Alec were like lifting it on here. It's super heavy. It's so heavy, in fact, when we landed it, it pushed the stage forward and we had to move the stage back. Like it's, I mean, it's real, look, it's not moving. It's just hurting my toes. I feel like Jason right now. I'm like hurting myself. Uh, So, yeah. So, basically, this is what a cornerstone is. And if you don't know what a cornerstone is, a cornerstone is something in, when they're building foundations, they set it first because it becomes the standard by which you pour all the rest of the foundation, um, it lines up all the angles, it lines up uh, your ability to build upward, like it's foundational, it's the, it's the most important thing you can get right in building any structure. And what Paul is saying is Jesus is our cornerstone. If you get Jesus right, everything else can be built. If you get Jesus wrong, nothing can be built, right? So he's our cornerstone. But Paul also says it's built on the foundation of the apostles and the prophets, Now what are the apostles and the prophets? Well, where are apostles found in the Bible? Where are they? In the New Testament. And where are prophets typically tend to be found in the Bible? In the Old Testament. Paul's saying the foundation that we have as citizens and saints is Jesus as the cornerstone and the Bible. It's the Old Testament and the New Testament. He says they work together. You gotta have both. Now, this is really important here, right? Um, I think uh, oftentimes that Christians, specifically cultural Christians, can think, I build my faith, I build everything about me, I build my spiritual growth, I build everything in my life on the Bible. And that sounds really true, right? You've seen these bumper stickers, no doubt. Uh, maybe not. You might be too young. Do you guys remember bumper stickers? If, if you've seen a bumper sticker before, okay, cool. Man, we have the only pocket of Orlando that goes to physical bookstores and knows what bumper stickers are and watched Captain Planet but didn't tell anybody, right? This is really interesting, <laughs> right? So, you see these bumper stickers or this phrase, the Bible says it, I believe it, that settles it. You may have heard this. Or, I build my life on the Bible. And that's to some extent true, but it's to some extent not what Paul is talking about. This is actually, it's actually, it's not as sturdy as what Paul's talking about here. Because there is a pocket of cultural Christianity that builds their life on the Bible, Okay? But they build their life on the Bible with no vision of who Jesus is. Meaning the Bible is just like any other book. It's like Romeo and Juliet. It's like Homer's Odyssey or the Iliad. It's like Grapes of Wrath. It's like any other book you would read uh, in English class. It's just a, a book of good writings and that's it. And to say that I build my life on the Bible as just another good book is like saying the Bible is my only foundation. Well, I mean, the illustration here is, I mean, this is the Bible, right? I could probably stand on top of this thing. But look, if I, if I kick this thing, it moves around. And you guys all know conservative, cultural Christians who build their life on the Bible. They can quote different parts of the Bible, but every time you talk to them, it's like their whole life is just shifting around. Like today they're like really conservative on this issue, but tomorrow they're not very conservative on this issue. And man, they hate everybody who drinks today, but then tomorrow you see them in the bar and you're like, "What's going on?" You're like, "Why are these people who are supposedly Christian watching certain news sites and doing all these things? Why are they so inconsistent in their lives?" Answer, because they build their life on the Bible apart from Jesus. They build their life on their reading of the Bible. And Paul says, don't build your life on the Bible. That's not a sturdy foundation. You guys get this visual here? Okay, cool. Now, what I want you you to imagine here is that we have this Bible, right? And then I affix it to this cornerstone right here. Imagine that I take some holy duct tape. It's probably red for the blood of Jesus, right? And I just duct tape it around here and I affix it to this cornerstone. Okay, to Jesus. Is that thing moving? No, it's not. See, this is something you can build your life upon. Jesus and the Bible. It's not enough to build your life on the Bible. It's it's enough to build your life on the Bible with Jesus at the center of it. And Paul is saying saints and citizens individually grow together on something solid, a solid foundation. It is a Jesus-centric reading of the Bible. It's Jesus and the Bible together. Now, I left out one group here, and that is people who don't care about the Bible, but they love Jesus, and this would be our liberal Christian friends, okay? Our liberal Christian friends are the people who go, I like Jesus, I don't really care about the Bible, and I like Jesus, I'm not going to stand on him, I'm not going to build my life on him, but I like Jesus too. And maybe some of you guys uh, were raised in homes like this, where you, you kind of heard about Jesus and you knew he was a good uh, person and a good person to live your model your life around, but no one you knew ever said, you know what, I'm putting faith in Jesus and I'm standing on him, right? You, you never heard any of that. Remember, again, Paul speaks to this too. It's not enough to just know Jesus and know about Jesus. You've got to understand that Jesus revealed himself in the Bible, and what we know about Jesus, we see through the Bible as we read it and come to understand him mysteriously and supernaturally. And when both of these are together, this is the thing that we build our life upon. We, we build it on Jesus and the apostles and the prophets and the Bible, and that's our thing. So to recap, Jesus plus Bible is our foundation. Onto which God is growing each of us together to form the captain planet super thing of this, this bigger deal of saints and citizens. And it brings us to this big idea that answers the question that we began with. Remember, our question is most of us are asking, where can I find my place to belong? And what Paul is saying is this, and it's in your bulletins. The big idea here is the place everyone is looking for is actually a people, it's actually a people. The place that everyone is looking for, it's actually a people. It's the saints and citizens built upon the foundation of Jesus and his word. Now, you guys probably intuitively know that what you're looking for is actually not a place, it's people. And you've probably, in the negative, in your life, you can, you can probably recall certain moments where you've been looking for a place to belong or you found a place to belong, and then you've stopped belonging to that place and the reason you stop belonging to that place is because you realize the people who were there at that place aren't there anymore, so you don't want to belong there. I'll, I'll give you an example of this. Well, Natalie and I were in Chicago. We found this one place we love to eat in a place called Lincolnshire, Illinois. Anyone know where Lincolnshire, Illinois is? Okay, shout out. Jill, I see you, Jilly Fresh. Uh, Lincolnshire, Illinois. There's a place called Mickey Fins. Um, I believe they, they served Lutheran beverages there, but we did not partake of those. Um, but we did like going there just to eat because they had great pizza and they had like great food and all that stuff. So we would go eat there all the time. It's just this little kind of hole in the wall pub in Chicago or in Lincolnshire. We uh, we'd go eat and um, man, it was amazing. On a Thursday night for date night, we'd go in, we'd order a pizza, we'd hang out. We knew the wait staff, we knew people there. We would see people, we would hang out, we would leave. They'd have live concerts. I mean, every Thursday night for like, two years, that was one of our our main date spots that we would go to. And we loved going to Mickey Finn's and hanging out. And we moved away from Chicago after two years to move back to Waco, but I still had to fly up to um, Chicago to take tests or present papers or things like that. And every time we flew up, one of the things we looked forward to was going to Mickey Finn's and eating some pizza and just hanging out and just seeing what was going on. Well, About four years later, we we found out uh, through the website that Mickey Finn's had had gotten too crowded and the space wasn't right, so they had built a ginormous brewery across the street from the original Mickey Finn's, and they had sold off and torn down the old Mickey Finn's. We knew we were flying to Chicago at one point. We're like, oh, man, you know, if that old Mickey Finn's was good, bigger must be better. We're going to go check out the new Mickey Finn's. And so we called some of our friends who are still in Chicago. We're like, hey, let's meet at Mickey Finn's. Let's go hang out. I can't wait to see people there and enjoy the food and whatever. So we get there, and we show up, and there's like an hour-long wait. And we're like, why is there an hour-long wait? I mean, I guess it's cool, but I mean, oh, man. So, you know, we go, and we get ice cream. We walk around the little, you know, town or whatever. And we're like, okay. So finally, they buzz us, and we go in, and we sit down. And it's really commercial at this point. Everything is really corporate. You guys know that when, like, your favorite hole-in-the-wall restaurant goes corporate? I mean, no offense if some of you own restaurants here, and you're like, hey, I went corporate. Okay. I'm not really talking about you, but, I mean, anyway. So, uh, you know, you go in, and it's just like everything's professional. There's no grime on the floor. Don't you miss the grime? Like, you walk in, it's like someone has actually cleaned the floor. You're like, oh, what is this, sanitation? Ugh. (laughs) Like you sit down at the table, there's no sticky at the top of the table. You're like, there's like pictures of kids with their families throwing frisbees on the wall. And you're like, oh, what is this? It's become a family corporate restaurant. No, right? You sit down, every, the, the, the servers were really courteous and kind and attentive to us. We're like, what is this about, right? They served the pizza, it didn't taste just as, as right. You know, everything just was a little bit off. And Natalie and I were looking at ourselves and we were kind of sad. We're like tearing up there. And our friends are like, What's going on? What's wrong with you guys? We're like, It's just not the same anymore, right? It's, it's a different place. I'm like, Well, yeah, I know it's a different place, but look, it's a bigger building and it's, you know, it's got all the stuff and it's same food and you know, same owner, or whatever. And I just, you know, we just looked and we were like, I don't know any of the wait staff. Uh, it's a different clientele that's in here, it's different lighting, it's a different place. And we couldn't put our finger on it. But what we realized is it was the people we missed. We miss going every Thursday and spending time with our friends at this location. Yes, it just happened to be at the same location, but it's the people that made Mickey Finn's the experience for us. And you also see this thing happen all the time in churches, where churches begin to think that church is about a building, Right? There's the old building that they used to meet in, right? And I'm not picking on First Orlando, but right, you have the old building and you go and you know everybody there and everybody knows your dog's name and knows your cat's name and knows your story and their people, right? And you get to do the thing and the church grows because people love that. And then they go and they're like, hey, let's have a building campaign. Let's build a bigger building. And so they build a bigger building so they can get more people in. And then you just show up one day and you realize no one knows who you are, even though you've been going there for like 50 years. And you're like, I don't, I don't feel like I belong here anymore. And guess what? It has nothing to do with the building. It's the people. And so we know this to be true in the negative. And what Paul is saying in the positive is this. Listen, the place that your friends are looking for in Orlando, the place they're looking for to belong, the place they're looking for for meaning, the place they're looking for is their third space. It's not a place It's a people. It's the saints and citizens that God has redeemed who's changed their lives and started this spiritual growth process that's growing together to form something bigger. That's the kind of place that your friends want to belong to. It's a people. And so that leaves us with this very practical question here. And I'll ask it in this way, and it's in your bulletin as well. What kind of people are people looking to find? What kind of people are the people looking to find? In other words, what do these kind of people look like who are built on Christ and his word? What is, practically, what what does this look like? And how can we become like that people? Because I'll be real honest with you. At the table, this is what we strive to be. We don't want to be a place. We want to be a people that other people want to belong to. Right. That's why we have our shirts that say "We'll save you a seat." Why? Because we want people to be here and find a seat and belong to us. That's why we invite people to move from the table to the couch and life groups and come be part of our fellowship. It's why we want to go and give back to the city. It's why we go on our city projects because we want to be the kind of people that's just, it's just intoxicating that other people want to be about that. And so, I want to give you guys just a little four blot vision of what this kind of people I think look like the kind of people that we could become here uh, the kind of people that other people want to be around and there are four things here Uh, and all of them are Christ-centric because I want to build them on the foundation of Jesus and so here they are what kind of people are people looking to find number one they're gathered people they try to meet regularly with everybody they're gathered people they try to meet regularly with everybody and here's the reason why they're gathered. They're gathered because they're follow- these kinds of people, the people who are built on the foundation of Christ, these are people who look at the foundation and go, what is it you do? And Jesus says, I gather regularly. Jesus gathered. Did y'all notice this? He, if you ever read the Bible, he gathers with people all the time. Jesus loved to party. Uh, Will Ferrell and John C. Reilly didn't get it exactly right in Talladega Nights, that documentary about NASCAR. Um, but what they did get right in the prayer scene is... Uh, John C. Riley says this, I want my Jesus to wear a tuxedo t-shirt because uh, um, tuxedo t-shirts are a party and I like my Jesus to kind of party. That's basically the line he's saying. Jesus liked to party and I want to party with him. And some of the stuff they get there, the theology isn't exactly correct, but... The sentiment they express in that scene right there is actually true. Jesus liked to party. He loved to be around people. He loved to gather with people. He gathered with tax collectors and prostitutes and other sinful people and just hung out with them and invited people to come with him everywhere he went. In fact, at his last act in Matthew 28, if you read this, before he ascends into heaven, he does something critical. He gathers everybody together and says one more thing, and then gives him the last parting instructions, and then heads off. And when he heads off to heaven, you know who he hangs out with? The Father and the Holy Spirit. He's gathering in eternity, always, before he created the world. The Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit gathered together. So if we're going to be like our cornerstone, if we're going to stand on him and his word, then we're going to have to be the kind of people who gather. In Hebrews, the author of Hebrews says this, Do not neglect The gathering together, the habit of gathering together, as some people um, have a habit of doing. In other words, uh, it should not be too long between when you gather together and when you gather together again. And what's interesting about this language, and maybe I'll put this in uh, terms that young adults I think can appreciate, it's the same kind of language construction that's used when Paul is giving advice about sex in married couples. He says, listen, listen, you should not abstain from sex except maybe for some prayer. But as soon as you pray, you should get back together again and have sex some more. Otherwise, the devil may get a foothold in your marriage. That's actual advice that Paul gives. You guys go read this. You can Google search this later. Well, maybe don't Google search like how often should you have sex. That could be bad. <laughs> um, and please don't put it on images. That could be real bad. Let me just go ahead and tell you. Um, but, but serious, this is what Paul's saying. He's saying, listen, Married couples have sex and then abstain for a while to pray and then have sex again real quick because this is what you do. It's the rhythm you're in. And the writer of Hebrews is saying the same thing. The kind of people, saints and citizens built on the foundation of Jesus and his Bible, they gather together regularly. Why? Because Jesus gathers together regularly. And so let me ask you this. Um, In your own life, is it possible... Maybe one of the things that's holding you back from following Jesus the best way you can is your inconsistency in gathering together with other believers. We have at least four opportunities, I think, pretty weekly for believers to gather. Number one, on Sundays, we have about 2,000 people at each service who gather at First Baptist Orlando for a giant worship service. And that's an awesome thing to do. I would recommend that to you. On Tuesday nights here, we have about 200 people. we're scaling down here, right? Uh, Who gather together in kind of a medium-sized environment. In life groups on Monday and Tuesday and Wednesday and Thursday and Friday, Friday, all all during the week, we have groups of about, I don't know, 20 or so, uh, except for our new YP life groups. I think there are like 97 people in every life group. Uh, And if you're in one of those life groups, you totally get that joke. Uh, But it's okay, they all meet in like 400 square foot apartments. Anyway, um, so there's groups of about 20 who meet together in life groups, and then we have these one on one things that happen throughout the week, and those are two people. So at every scale up, 2, 20, 200, 2,000, we have gatherings for you regularly. And my encouragement for you if you want to become the kind of people that people want to be around, you've got to have gatherings as part of your regular rhythm because Jesus did it. Number two, the kind of people that people are looking to find, they're flexible, they try to adjust to everybody. They try to adjust to everybody. And the reason why they did this is because this is what Jesus does. Jesus accommodates people all the time. He bends over. He bends down. He literally bends down out of heaven to save us, right? Jesus is flexible. When he meets somebody who maybe doesn't have it together, he stops and spends time with them to try to help them understand things. When people need healing, he stops what he's doing. He's flexible with his schedule, and he ministers to them. The kind of people that people want to be around, the people that that God is growing us towards to be together, are flexible people. There's a guy named Zig Ziglar, and he has this uh, quippy quote that my uh, father-in-law says all the time. He says it's the new Ten Commandments. He says, blessed are the flexible, for they shall not be bent out of shape. Right? And I think he gets this idea correct, because Jesus was someone who was super flexible. You want to know why Jesus was never bent out of shape? Because he was flexible. He's flexible with us, and you know this probably to be true in your own life. Jesus is so gracious and so accommodating for all our little things. Anytime we go to him in prayer, he's never too busy. He's flexible with his time and everything, and so the kind of people that people are looking to be around, they're flexible too. Number three, they're inclusive. They're inclusive. They try to include everybody. Everybody. Now, notice I didn't say they include everybody. I said they try to include everybody. They try to be flexible. I'm not saying you have to be perfect at this, but the the aim and the continual organization of your life is trying. It's aimed at being inclusive. The reason that we practice inclusion or that these kind of people practice inclusion is because Jesus included us even when he didn't have to, okay? Jesus and uh, the Father and the Holy Spirit could have just hung out on their own, but they decided to create the world and include us in what they're doing and in their kingdom, And so the reason we practice inclusion as those kind of people is because it's what we see our cornerstone doing. They include people. When they see people who are off on their own, outliers by themselves, they, they do all they can to pull these kinds of people in. One of the things I love about the table, it's one of my favorite things, Uh, and shout out to Jesus, but also shout out to Isaac for really setting the tone for this, is that our hosts are some of the best includers I've ever seen. Like, some of you know this because this was your first time. You showed up and you're like, okay, I'm an introvert. I'm gonna just show up at this church thing and I'm going to walk in stealth mode, born identity style. Like, dum, 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 Like, you're, 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 like, along the walls, like, just trying to low-key sneak in through the back door. You're like, no one's ever going to see me. You, like, push the button, <clears throat> cloak mode, right? you like, da-da-da, da da-da. You're going through the, right? You're, you get, like, three steps in. Someone in a black shirt's like, hi, nice to meet you. Can I get you a t-shirt? Can I get you a latte? Can I buy you a car? What do you need? And you're like... Like, whoa, I'm an introvert. And they're like, oh, okay, it's cool. I'll give you three feet. Do you need anything, right? And they hover around you, right? Our hosts are amazing at including people. Why? Because our hosts, probably many of them, if you listen to their stories, they know what it's like to be excluded, and they don't want anybody to ever experience that. And so out of the love for Jesus and out of love for each and every one of you, we, we strive here we would say this, we would rather someone feel over-smothered than left alone because at least in being over-smothered, they're included and they can tell us, hey, back off. And we'll go, okay, cool, we'll back off a okay distance, right? We'd rather someone tell us to back off. Why? Because we want to include people. Why? Because Jesus included us when he didn't have to. Number four, the kind of people that people want to be around are this, they're mobile. They're gathered, they're flexible, they're inclusive, and they're mobile, they try to go where everybody lives. They try to go where everybody lives. And the reason they do this is because Jesus didn't wait for us to come to him. He came to us. Jesus initiated a relationship with us. If you're in Christ here today, you know Jesus initiated a relationship with us. Now, I, I mention mobile for this because I think this is the thing that trips Christians up the most, and especially as we're talking about this idea of finding a place to belong, this is where I see a lot of young Christians err. And I'm not, listen, listen to me here, I'm not trying to tell you you guys are doing a bad thing, I'm just trying to give you a heads up on something I think is very common for you. You move to Orlando, you don't know anybody, you're looking for your place to belong, someone tells you about the table, you see us on Instagram, at the table of Orlando, you're like, oh, cool, that's a cool thing. You show up, Some host person swarms you, it's like a SWAT team. They just get you, they get you the t-shirt and the latte and you feel included and you feel loved. And you come back a second time, you check out a life group and you're like, this is really kind of incredible. You go on a city trip to Montreal and you're like, I speak French now, this is amazing, right? (laughs) Like, within a month, you're like, I've been on a mission trip, I'm serving, I'm part of a life group, I am the ideal Christian, my mom prays for me to be, right? You don't have to lie to your parents anymore, you're actually going to church, right? You just have that moment, and you're so happy, and you're so thankful, and then you go, this is great, I want to do this over and over and over again, and so soon, every one of your friends goes to church, all of your friends are Christians, your pastors a Christian, right? Uh <laughs> Your doctor's a Christian. Your dentist is a Christian. You only go to Christian grocery stores. You only shop at Christian Amazon, right? You only watch movies from Christian Netflix. It's called Pure Flix, right? You own, when you go to concerts, you go to Christian concerts, like Hillsong that's gonna be here in a couple of weeks. You only see Christian comedians, John Christ, who's gonna be here in a couple of weeks, right? You only do Christian stuff and pretty soon, what we look like is a Christmas Eve service. You know what I'm talking about? Christmas Eve service, everyone has the candle and you light your candle. Like, okay, let's light our candles and hold them up, right? And it's super bright, like it's dark, and all of a sudden the candles come on, you're like, oh, like your eyes are being burned by the sun, right, that moment. And this is what modern Christian church looks like. All the lights are gathered in one place all the time, and we're sitting around going, look how bright we are. And the whole point of that thing at Christmas is so that we'll take our light and go out to where the darkness is because that's what Jesus first did to us. He was the light, and he came into darkness He mobilized to where we were and brought us out of darkness into light and gave us a foundation to stand upon. And all he asks of us, saints and citizens, is standing firmly on who he is to take our light wherever we see darkness. And so let me ask you this question. Is it possible that your sense of belonging is not being filled in part, in part, because you're not gathering enough with believers or you're not inclusive enough? Or because you're not flexible enough. Or because you're not mobile enough. You're too busy gathering with other lights, celebrating how bright it is in your room. Listen, if it's super bright in your room, that's great. Uh, Be bright for a little bit. But then as soon as you can, go find some darkness and penetrate it with the light. Why? Because that's what Jesus did for us. And it's what he asks us to do for others. And so I want to issue you guys just a little challenge this week to maybe be thinking about as you guys have quiet times or maybe as we sing the song in a minute and you want to reflect, where is the darkness in Orlando that God might be calling you to go penetrate with your lightness? Where is the darkness in Orlando that God might be calling you to go penetrate with your brightness? Is it possible that there's someone in that darkness who is looking for their place to belong? And God's not gonna plant a church there, a church building. And He's not gonna plant like a Christian coffee shop, right? And He's not gonna plant, I don't know, like a a Christian theater troupe who's gonna do a bunch of dramas and someone's gonna be like, oh, cool, I like drama. And they're not, He's not gonna send a Christian band there to have a concert. He's not gonna send a Christian bookstore to open up so people can buy the t shirts. He's gonna send you to go be the light there so that someone can see you and your friends who occasionally gather and they see something different. They see this place built on a foundation, these people who they wanna be around and they're gonna come up to you and they're gonna say, what's different about you? And you're gonna say, what's different about me is I used to be in darkness and then Jesus brought me into the light and he can do the same for you. That's the kind of people that people want to be around. Let's pray.